welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. All right, well, now we're going to have a time in God's Word. Uh, so turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 50. So tonight, as I mentioned earlier, we gather to remember uh, what the Lord did for us on this night uh, close to 2,000 years ago. Um, and the title of tonight's message is Abandon for Good. Uh, and tonight, uh, as we look at scripture, we're going to remember what Jesus has done for us. And tonight, as we go through God's word, I would like to highlight a certain aspect of Jesus's suffering. It's one that before tonight, uh, I never really spent much time uh, thinking about. And maybe it's an aspect of Christ's suffering that you haven't spent much time thinking about either. Um, as you will see, uh, in a few moments, it's one of the most intense and emotional, uh, painful ways that Jesus suffered. It's a, a moment on the cross when God the Father forsook or abandoned the Son. And so before we get into that and see how that happened, I want to define the word forsaken to give us a better uh, understanding and a better sense of what that meant for Jesus to be abandoned by God. Um, so, just to give you some definitions, uh, when you think of the word forsaken, uh, one of the words that is used to describe that is abandon. And that's why I got my title, Abandoned for Good. But abandon, and abandon means to cease to support or look after someone. So if you think about it, Jesus, when he's on the cross, He's abandoned by God. God ceases in some sense to support or look after Jesus. He deserts him. Uh, another definition of the word abandoned is to leave completely and finally, uh, to forsake utterly, in essence, to discontinue any further interests. So in a sense, the father ceases to you know, show any interest in his son. He turns his back on his son for a moment and he leaves him completely and finally and utterly forsakes him. Another way to think about it is uh, the word abandon means to give up, to discontinue, to withdraw. So again, in a sense, God the Father gives up or withdraws from his son. And finally, one last definition uh, to describe the word abandon, it means to give up the control of or to give them over to something else. So again, in a sense, God the Father is uh, giving his son over to something else. He willingly gives up his son. And so Jesus experiences all this on the cross. Again, uh, he's abandoned, he's deserted, he's, he's given up completely to something and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Again, I give you those definitions in, in hopes to really 
get us and you to understand what it means when Christ was abandoned by the Father. So let's now go to the text, and we're going to read about some events that ultimately lead up to Christ's abandonment. Uh, and so along the way, I'm going to suffer a few other ways, or I'm going to point out, excuse me, uh, a few other ways that Jesus suffers. And so, uh, as we go to our text, starting, we're going to start in verse 27. Uh, so just let me give you some background about what's going on here. So right before this point, Jesus has already been arrested and been turned over to the Roman authorities. He stood before the Jewish authorities, and now he's given over to the Roman authorities. And in a sense, he's already been abandoned in a number of ways. First of all, his disciples have abandoned him. He had already been abandoned at this point by Judas, who betrayed him. He had already been abandoned by his disciples when he was arrested in the garden. It says that all his disciples fleed. And so he was all alone at this point, left alone uh, with the Roman authorities. And even his own people, before he went to the Roman authorities, they too abandoned him. Matter of fact, in Matthew 27, verse 22, Pilate says to them, What shall I do with this Christ, or with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said, Let him be crucified. So they have abandoned him over to the Roman authorities. And then Pilate himself, a few verses later, washes his hands of the responsibilities and abandons Jesus to the will of the crowd, to which again they shout, uh, you know, his blood be upon us, and they want him to be crucified. And so at this point, this is where we come in our story to verse 27, and I'm going to pick up reading there. It says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they kneeled down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat on him and they took a reed and began to beat him on the head. And after that they mocked him, and they took his robe off, and put his garments on him, and led him away to crucify him. And as they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they pressed into service to bear his cross. So already in these first few verses, we see Jesus suffering physically, being mocked by the Roman soldiers, uh, for who he says he is. And so he's already suffering, in one sense, being abandoned by everyone. And so let's move on uh, to verse uh, 33. And it says, And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they gave him wine, drink, uh, wine to drink, mingled with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him. And they put above his head the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. And at that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. 
And so now we come to a point where we're going to see individuals coming in and staring at Jesus and mocking him. And again, in a sense, abandoning him, abandoning him to himself. And so look at verse 39. And he's abandoned here by those who pass by. It says, and those passing by him were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. And so again, we see some people passing by him, mocking him, abandoning him to himself. And then in verses 41 through 43, we're going to see the religious establishment, the religious leaders also doing the same thing. It says this, In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we shall believe him. He trusts in God. Let him deliver him now. If he takes pleasure in him, for he said, I am the son of God. So again, now we have the religious establishment of the religious leaders mocking him. But it doesn't stop there. Next, we'll see the, the thieves that were hanging on either side of him also mocking him. Look at verse 44. And the robbers also, who had been crucified with him, were casting the same insult at him. So up to this point, Jesus has been abandoned by his disciples, abandoned by his own people, by Roman authorities, by the Jewish religious authorities, and even the two thieves who are hanging next to him. And yet in all this, you notice Jesus never once says a word, uh, never uh, complains, never cries out against them. It isn't until this very moment that Jesus finally expresses himself when he is finally abandoned by God the Father. Let's read verses 45 through 50, and then I'll come back and, and touch on that specifically. And I will just close out this, this section. It says, Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, began saying, This man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. So here in this last section, as I mentioned, Jesus finally says something. And what he says, again, is, what, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is at this moment that he was abandoned by God the Father. And so I want to look at this, his, his abandonment. And if I didn't say it earlier, what I, what I wanted to point out was, uh, that he was abandoned for good. And in two ways, he was abandoned for good, meaning he was abandoned completely or utterly, like for good. And then and a second point is he was abandoned for good, for like the good of us. And so I want to look at the first part, which is why was Jesus abandoned ultimately? And so uh, 
What is it that is going on here? Well, Galatians 13.3 gives us a little clue about what exactly happened. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus became a curse. So he was abandoned in one sense because he was cursed. He was a curse because he was worthy of execution. And he had the curse of death on him. And the reason that he was worthy of execution is because he took upon all of our sins. He suffered for us. And so in that instance, God the Father in his holiness had to turn away or forsake Jesus or abandon Jesus. Give up on him because he's a curse. He's worthy of execution and he has the curse of death on him. So in that sense, he had to be abandoned for good. Secondly, Jesus became sin. He became the embodiment of sin on the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 tells us this. Tells us this. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he was abandoned to sin. Scripture says he became sin. So in this instance where Jesus is crying out, God, why have you forsaken me? One of the reasons he's forsaken is because he had become sin. The sin of humanity had all been put on Jesus Christ. The weight of our sin was upon him. And God the Father, who is holy, had to turn, had to abandon him at this point. And so you could get a sense why Jesus is crying out that God's forsaking him. That intimacy that he had known with the Father for a moment had to be um, had to be stopped as, as God turns from him and abandons him. Yeah, third, I want to point out a third thing about Jesus being abandoned ultimately, and that's that Jesus was allowed to taste death. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, the scripture tells us, But we do see him who was made a little lower than the angels, speaking of Jesus, uh, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So Jesus was allowed to taste death for everyone, it says. So in this moment, as God turns his back on him, he's allowing his son to die. And Jesus knows it. And so that's why Jesus cries out. Again, Jesus is suffering total separation for God, total abandonment. Going back to those definitions I gave earlier, you can, you can get a sense of it now that God is deserting Jesus. He's no longer supporting him. He's utterly forsaking him. He's giving up on him. He's withdrawing from him. And he's giving him over to something else momentarily. And so in this sense, Jesus was abandoned for good, meaning he was abandoned ultimately. And again, I hope that gives you a sense of why Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I was uh, trying to think of a, a good example of this. And um, 
I'm not trying to make light of it, but I remember the movie Toy Story. Uh, and if you know the movie Toy Story by Disney, um, I'll probably mess this up, but there's a, a little character, the main character is named Woody, and I think the whole, the whole time he's trying not to be abandoned by his owner. And so Woody has this dream at once, at one point in the story, um, his, the little boy that owns him comes and finds he has a little rip on his shoulder. And so the little boy is going to give up. He's going to abandon Woody. And so he goes over to this trash can and opens up the trash can and, and lets go of Woody. And then Woody just falls slowly, slowly down, like for a long time into this, this, this uh, garbage can. And then the lid close, the lid closes in pitch black darkness. And that obviously I think Woody wakes up at that point, but you get a sense if you, if you ever watch that clip that Woody is being abandoned for forever. He's being thrown in the trash. He's done with, and just in a small sense, you kind of get that. This is what's happening to Jesus. He's being abandoned by his owner, by his father and, and falling into utter darkness and despair. And so that's why he cries out, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? So again, I want to look at the two aspects of, of the title of this evening's message, being abandoned by, or abandoned for good. So that's the ultimate side. What about the positive side, meaning he's being abandoned for our good? Like what good comes out of Jesus being abandoned? Again, why is this called Good Friday? And I'm going to use those same three verses that I just shared with you. But if you notice, there was a positive on each one of those. And so let's go back to that first one in Galatians 3, uh, verse 13. And again, this is Jesus, what, Jesus became a curse for us. Let me read that verse one more time, because this is the good part. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. And so that first part, the very beginning says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law is death. And so Christ, he became a curse so that we wouldn't have to be cursed. He took upon himself that order of execution, that order of death for us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. And so that was the good part. It was a good purpose that he was abandoned. And that's what it was for. The second one in 2 Corinthians 5.21 is, is that Jesus paid the price for our sins. Right? He became sin on our behalf and we became righteous before God. This is what it says. He made him, so God the Father made God the Son, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. He became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you see that, that great exchange. Jesus himself takes upon our sin for us, and he puts upon us his righteousness. Again, let me read it. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So again, Jesus was abandoned for good, for a good purpose. Again, to take upon the curse that was due to us, 
to take away our sin. Again, he became sin and gave us his righteousness. So Hebrews 2.9 says this, But we do see him who made us a little while, excuse me, who made who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, so that, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So here again, it's reminding us that Jesus died in our place. And that was the good part. Again, that's why we call it Good Friday. Jesus took our place. He suffered death and separation from God in particular so that we wouldn't have to. Again, let me stress those three points about how Jesus being abandoned was a good thing for us. Because again, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. He paid the price for our sins. And he died in our place. Again, being separated from God instead of us being separated. He tasted that for a moment, Hebrews 10, or Hebrews 2.9 says. I want to read a verse that kind of summarizes both these parts. And it actually says it a lot better than I did. Uh, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 53. Let me turn there with you. And I just want to read uh, four verses. Uh, Isaiah 53 verses 3 through 6 in describing Jesus's suffering really captures all that Jesus took upon himself for you and for me. And it says this, it says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our grief he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. You see, Isaiah ca just captures all of what I just talked about. Yeah, again, just magnifies it. Again, showing how Jesus took all this upon himself for us. And so, uh, as I end tonight, I, I want to leave a few points of application for us uh, as we take in all of this, what Jesus has done for us. The first one is this. I think for those of us who are believers in Christ, those who believe in the work that Jesus did and have repented of our sins against God, we can praise God even more. We can praise God that Jesus was abandoned for good. Again, he died for you. He died for me. And, and he died, again, when I say you and me, those who believe on the work of Jesus Christ. If you believe what he did on the cross and you trust in that for your salvation, that he died for you. Secondly, he died to reconcile you to God. So he brought you into a communion and a relationship to God by abandoning or being abandoned by God. Right? He took on God's wrath. 
Therefore, you don't suffer that. He took it all upon himself, just like Isaiah said. Not only that, uh, as I mentioned, he was abandoned by God. Therefore, those of you who trust in him, you won't be abandoned by God ultimately and forever. Christ momentarily said, I'm going to be abandoned by God so that you don't have to. You won't suffer that death, that spiritual death, that spiritual separation for God. And so that for those reasons, those of us who trust in the Lord, we can praise God for that. And this, the second point of application is really for those who have yet to believe in all that Jesus has done. And those who have yet to repent for their sins. And those who really just reject, again, what I, all that I preach tonight. Maybe you don't understand it in a sense, or maybe you even reject it. That, hey, I don't believe that God abandoned us, or I don't believe in that work, more specifically. I, I would say this, that if, if you don't believe in that, then that means one day, all that Christ had done for you, all that he did that we just looked at, doesn't apply to you. That means one day you yourself will be abandoned by God. Because you don't believe Jesus was, you don't trust in that, then you will have to suffer that. You will become that curse that Jesus was. Because you don't take it, you don't say, hey, I believe in that, I trust in that then therefore you will become that curse. You will become sin and suffer for your sins. And ultimately you will face death, meaning total abandonment by God. And in essence, just like I mentioned a little while ago about that movie Toy Story, when you stand before God, in one sense, he is going to just drop you in, 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 into total darkness, Scripture says, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's total abandonment from God, total darkness. And again, that, that Toy Story movie or that scene just captures that perfectly, the sense of, of being lost, of your owner no longer holding on to you or caring for you, and you're all alone. So in a sense, that's what happens when you're abandoned by God. You will have to face that on your own because you don't believe what Jesus has done for you. So for you, instead of that, I, I would plead with you that you would repent and believe in what Christ has done for you. So again, for application, for those of us who believe in Christ, we can again praise God that Jesus was abandoned for our good. And for those of you that reject it, I pray that you will ultimately believe in what he's done for you and that you repent of your sins and accept Christ. Let's, let's pray. Lord God, thank you again so much for what you've done for us. I pray tonight as we looked at your word that we would just get a little glimpse into what you suffered for us how you were abandoned by your Father, and you were abandoned for our good. And again, I pray that those of us who believe on that, that we would, as we get a little glimpse of that, that we would uh, just go into the rest of our night praising you for that. We would be transformed by that fact, knowing what you've done for us. And for those, Lord, who have 
not believed on you yet, but are now desiring to, I pray that you would hear them as they cry out to you and repent of their sins and believe in what you've done for them. I pray that you would answer them in their prayer, Lord God, and they would come to truly understand what you've done for them and that they would, would walk in a new life knowing who you are. And so we thank you, Lord, again, for what this night represents. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that, uh, as I mentioned, would like to pray to receive the Lord as your Savior, I would, I would encourage you when this is over to just go and, and cry out to God and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I, I believe in what you've done for me on the cross. And if you do that, he promises to forgive you of your sin and to not cast you away. And then one day you will experience his uh, full uh, fellowship with him when you stand before him. And so if that's what you'd like to do, I pray that you would do that in a few moments. And then once you're done, let us know here at the church what you've done. And maybe you want to f want us to follow up with you and, and help you in that. Uh, we have an email. It's elders at uh, renaissance-church.com. You can email us uh, and tell us that you prayed that prayer. Or if you need anything, uh, anyone that's listening, feel free to email us and let us know what's going on. You guys have a great night. We're going to end our service now in some more worship. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.